Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about the key ideas for the How I Built This Podcast interview with the founder of Squarespace, Anthony Casalina. Before I jump into my notes, uh, just a Two quick things. Uh, number one, you'll probably notice that uh, the titles of these little uh, podcasts are now numbered. I did that because I've, I think about these podcasts very much like uh, many episodes of Founders. And I think uh, just like I number the main Founders podcast episodes, I think it's helpful to number these so you can go back and reference them. And second, I'm sending this email out to both paying subscribers and the people on the free list. So if you're on the free list and you want to get these podcasts, uh, podcasts that I'm doing these daily podcasts Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. with all the podcast notes that I take f- uh, on uh, from entrepreneurs uh, please subscribe below okay so let's just go ahead and jump into the notes so I thought it was really interesting um, I always am fascinated by like uh, when entrepreneurs talk about some of the first jobs they had before they started the company and in this case Anthony actually got a job at 15 years old he was already uh, he already knew how to program he started really early when he was uh, like nine or ten years old And he says, when I was 15, I got a job for an internet company. This is in Maryland where he was living at the time. And what I particularly found interesting is how he got the job. He said, uh, they were actually trying to recruit my dad, but he already had a job. So he told them, why don't you talk to my son? He's actually a good programmer. So they said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And they end up up, uh, hiring Anthony. So he goes to school. He's studying computer science in college. And while he's in college, he gets the idea for Squarespace. And it starts out rel- relatively simple. It says, in 2003, I wanted to make a website for myself. At the time, you had to put all these different software programs together to make a website. You had blogging software, page building software, software to tell you who's visiting the website. And then you'd have to take all this and upload it in, uh, to a host somewhere. Uh, he says, Anthony says, I didn't want that. I didn't want this mishmash of things. And so what he's describing there is exactly what Squarespace is today. He continued, you can you could make a blog at this time, but I wanted uh, I wanted more than just a blog. I wanted a full functioning website, and blogging services didn't let you do that. So uh, he scratched his own itch. He decides to make uh, Squarespace what eventually becomes Squarespace for himself. And this was uh, really fascinating, something I didn't know. He said, I made this for myself, and then I showed it to one of my friends, and he said, I'll give you $200 for that. That made me realize other people could use this. I turned it into a site you could go up, uh, you could go on and sign up and then create your own site. It evolved quickly into a business after that. So when I heard that part, um, it made me think of, I've mentioned uh, this writer and uh, entrepreneur a number of times. I really enjoy his blog. His name is Derek Sivers. And so when I heard Anthony talking about the beginning of Squarespace, it made me think about this essay that Derek wrote. And I'm just going to read it to you. And it's titled, Don't Start a Business Until People Are Asking You To. And so this is Derek writing. When you bake a cake, you need to do first things first. You need to get the ingredients before you turn on the oven. You need to bake it before you frost it and slice it. I meet a lot of people who want to start a business. Some don't have an idea yet. I don't understand this. It's like wanting to wear a bandage when you don't have a wound. Most have an idea but no customers. For them, I always say, don't start a business until people are asking you to. This is not meant to be discouraging. It just means that you need to get the ingredients before you turn on the oven. First, you find real people whose problem you can solve. You listen deeply to find their dream scenario, and you make sure they're happy enough to pay you. Don't announce anything. Don't choose a name. Don't make a website. Don't build a system. You need to be free to completely change or ditch your idea. Then you get your first paying customer. Provide a one-on-one personal service. 
Then you get another paying customer. Prove a real demand. Then, as late as possible, you officially start your business. So it struck me when I was listening to Anthony tell a story about the founding of Squarespace that it's very much in line with what uh, Derek was saying there, how um, people, the best way to start a business is when you already have people asking you to solve a problem for them. And in, and in Anthony's case, he very literally had his friend said, oh my God, I love this thing. In fact, I'll give you $200 for that. Um, so that definitely applies to the situation. And um, I also loved, I particularly thought um, Anthony's idea about thinking about the potential market um, was really uh, important as well. If you remember last week, the the notes I took on the, the lost interview of Steve Jobs, he talked about the difference in uh, how uh, how he thought about the market, the potential market, and how Steve Wozniak thought about the market. How Steve Wozniak was perfectly happy um, building you know computers for hobbyists, and Steve had the realization: he's like, wait a minute, for every one person that would actually assemble their own hardware and build their own computer, there's a thousand people that don't want to do that. We should build machines for those thousand people. So Anthony has a really uh, similar insight. He says how, and so this is how Anthony thought about the potential market for Squarespace. He said, when blogging was taking off, I saw that as the beginning of this do-it-yourself wave. Now keep in mind, this is 2003, before the iPhone, before social media and, and Facebook, that is. There was still MySpace, LiveJournal, GeoCities, things like that. Um, but he says people who would have been who would have otherwise uh, been intimidated realized, oh, I could do this too. So give them a more powerful tool. And now he's describing what his what his uh, what he wanted to do for, with Squarespace. He said you could publish a blog post, you could publish a page, you could publish a photo gallery. It was always about doing more with it. And um, in the interview, he talks about how he just thinks about Squarespace as just really a set of publishing tools. It just so happens that you could build a blog, a website, a, an e-commerce store, whatever it is you want to do with it. He just wants to make sure that one tool can do everything you need. Um, and then this is how Anthony funded Squarespace. He needed money for servers. My parents were the first investors. They lent me $30,000. I wonder how much that's worth today. Um, and then this is how Anthony came up with the name for Squarespace. I needed a name that was available. The domains had to be available for purchase. I didn't have enough money to negotiate for a domain. So he had to have a unique name. He didn't want to go back and forth with some domain squatter. And when he came up with the name of Squarespace, and he, uh, he thought it was promising that when he Googled it, uh, there was zero results for it. So he gets the money from his, uh, he already has like a couple hundred people using uh, the service at the time, he gets the money from his parents to get servers. And he says, I purchased two servers and put them down on the floor of my dorm room. They were so loud. The sound was intolerable. I, at the time, I was reading a lot about software development. One of the blogs I read was by this guy, Joel Spolsky. His blog was hosted by a company in New York called Pier One. I knew I wanted to be in New York, so I drove my servers from Maryland to New York. And so what um, Anthony says next, I think, is actually a really um, interesting point. So at the time, um, everybody's saying, hey, you know, you have to have a free, free plan. Like, that's how things, um, that's how, you know, people get introduced to your service. And eventually, like, it scales up from there. So he says at the beginning, but um, you'll see Anthony had a different idea. So he said at the beginning, Squarespace had a free plan. There were plenty of examples at the time of giving away software for free and getting millions of users. Blogger, MySpace, etc. Everyone told me to give it away free and people would upgrade. But I realized in the first year there were a lot of people who were never, ever going to upgrade. And I didn't have any other money. I needed to focus on people who would pay for this. I didn't, and this is really interesting, I didn't want to be the next live journal or blogger. I priced it at 5 or $15 a month, so it was really inexpensive. 
so I thought it was interesting. He's like, you know what? I don't. That that's it's not it's outside of the my goal here to have millions of people using a, my service. If it's just gonna be free and they're never gonna pay anything, he's like, that's the route of MySpace. That's the route of Live Journal, Blogger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not interested in that. I'd rather focus on people that want to use my tool and are willing to pay for that uh, that tool. And it wind up working out very well for him. Um, so it says, uh, so we're going to see some of the revenue he made after the first year, Squarespace had a run rate of $50,000. Not bad. He said the only employee keep that in mind. He, I started to think, what if I doubled or tripled that I needed to buy myself more time. And I love the idea how he bought his, he bought himself more time. He stayed an extra year in college. He said, I stayed an extra year in college and took a light class load so I could work on Squarespace. And this blew my mind. I didn't know this. Anthony was the only employee. He was the designer, engineer, support staff, etc. The first year, we had $50,000 in revenue. Year number two was $200,000 in revenue. It wasn't a million dollars overnight. However, he he was the only employee until 2007. And in 2007, Squarespace reached a million dollars in revenue as a one-person company. I thought that was fascinating. Um, So at the time, he's making a lot of revenue, but he's not, you know, just... Uh, he's not basically just, he's not taking it all as income. He says, I reinvested as much of the revenue back in Squarespace as I could. I put almost all of it back in. He even talks about at the time he had, he was living, um, he found like a cheap apartment in New York city on Craigslist and he had like three or four roommates and he, you know, he was young. He was in his early twenties at the time. So he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't spend a lot of money. He paid his rent and basically put everything back in, into Squarespace. And the initial distribution for Squarespace was Google AdWords. Um, Oh, he also talks about something that's that's actually uh, extremely important, and it's all the you know the stress that you put on yourself, especially when you're he's running a business for the first time, and the business is growing, and he's trying to do everything himself. So he says it took me a few years to understand what the what the stress was doing to me. I'd have panic attacks, heart raced, my throat would close up, I had trouble breathing, nothing. And then he talked. He said that the weird thing was that nothing would trigger it. You'd just be sitting there thinking about it. You'd get in your head and you'd start to get stressed. So around that time, he decided he needed some help and he made a big mistake. He said, very early on, I teamed up with another more experienced person. This was a person about 10 to 15 years older than him that had some uh, previous experience starting uh, companies. He said he offered to join Squarespace as the CEO so we can start hiring and expanding. I didn't know what titles meant at the time. I felt like I was still running the company. But this created more stress for me than I realized. I was 24 to 26 years old. I learned a lot of, the, of lessons the hard way by making every mistake imaginable. This didn't work out for me. So that wound up working, uh, that, that wound up taking place. Um, this, this guy stayed with the company for about four to five years and then wound up leaving. And Anthony took back over and, and kept running the company. Um, so he says, uh, he, another, he's going to list some of the mistakes for us that he made. We launched a huge update to the platform called Squarespace 5. It was a total disaster. We flipped it on for every customer at once, meaning everybody had access to the new system, and he could, that means he couldn't go backwards. But the problem was, once he flipped it on for every customer, he realized it was full of bugs. Everyone in the company had to do customer support. At around this time, we had about 85,000 customers, and we were doing about $10 million a year in revenue. Um, well, uh, right after Squarespace 5 happened and he's having all the stress. This is something uh, that I had no idea. Getty Images try, uh, offered to buy the company. So he says, I was struggling with this decision whether or not to sell. This never, I, never started, uh, I never started Squarespace to sell it, but I didn't have a lot of money. Um, at the same time, some investors contacted me and told me, you don't have to do that if you want some liquidity. 
we can put money into the company and you can sell some of your shares to us. I liked that idea. I could get liquidity, a board for accountability, and the ability to keep running the company. So um, then the interviewer asks him an interesting question. Um, especially when you're doing all the support by yourself, like uh, how were you, were you open with, with criticism and feedback? You know, anybody that's done customer support knows that, you know, you're going to get a lot of messages whether you want the feedback or not. And Anthony has a really good point that um, it's actually good, especially for the founder to constantly um, hear this feedback. He says, you need to create an environment where you hear feedback, even if you don't agree with it. If you create an environment where you don't hear feedback, you become vulnerable to a seismic shift where you ignore where you ignore something to the point where it's going to break. Um, and then this is just, uh, I think, um, you know, just he's got, it's been, what, 15 years of him running this company. He's obviously very different and now in his mid to late 30s than he was uh, as, you know, uh, somebody in college still. And this is just a good idea for all of us to remember that, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all uh, fallible, I think is the word I'm looking for. So he says, I've made so many mistakes in the past. It would be silly for me to think I'm not making any now, especially the size and scope of Squarespace. It's, uh, you know, doing a couple hundred million dollars a year in revenues, got hundreds of employees. So he says, I have to be meaning making mistakes. Hopefully I'm just faster at resolving things. I just like that mindset of saying, Hey, I know I'm going to make mistakes. Even if I can't see them, I should be aware that I'm making the mistakes. and I should be on the lookout for them. And then hopefully when I, I can identify them faster and then, and then solve, you know, basically get out of my own way. And, oh, this was very interesting because, you know, uh, Squarespace is, uh, even if you don't use the product, it's, it, it, a lot of people know about it. It's basically ubiquitous. And part of the ubiquity comes from their advertising. And it says, Squarespace experienced a lot of success from advertising on podcasts. The first podcast ad was on This Week in Tech. And this is back in, uh, before 2010. So it's a long time ago. Um, so that first ad was $30,000. And so he talks about the um, the thought process. I'm like, are we going to do this? Because he's like, that was our whole AdWords budget for a month. We decided to try it. It immediately worked for us. And then he talks about like why podcast advertising has worked so well for Squarespace. He says, there's a really authentic thing with podcasts. You are supporting a show host. You are supporting the creation of this content. And finally, um, this echoes very much the the mission of Spotify, as we found out a few weeks ago when um, when I was telling you guys about um, when I was taking notes for the founder of, of Shopify, Toby. And I'll close on this. The core of Squarespace right now is entrepreneurial success to help you put the site online that you want to sell online and to help you be successful in marketing yourself. <laughs>